Yeah, how great is our God. He has communicated over and over since the beginning, and He has made people able to receive His communication. He has made Himself available through creation. He has shown signs all around us, in us, in the world, and in the universe around us as well. And we can observe all of that as these things are unfolding every day. Every day we get to see that. He's also sent his son who came, who lived, who taught, who gave us insights into what living in the kingdom of God, what that meant, and what was coming with eternity, with heaven. He's put all of those things together and he made a way for us to be ready for the things that are to come. Also, while Jesus was here, he said, I'm going to leave in a short time. He was telling his followers, and then I'm going to come back. And he's going to return in a big way. So he gave them some clues as to what that would be. And what we're going to do is discover what those signs are as God is revealing himself in his son, through his son, and as we are moving into a period of time that's nearer and nearer to that return when Jesus will appear. So today, watch the fig tree, part of our series, and let's begin with the fig tree from Matthew chapter 24. This is Jesus as he's explaining what's going on. Chapter 24 is, is filled with his the information on this. And he says, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near right at the door. Talking about the return of the Son of Man. So, the fig tree. Something we have to know about, something we need to watch, something that is... uh, well, it's a bummer if you don't have one in your yard because then you can't go out and watch it. But he's not talking about that kind of fig tree. The fig tree is representing Israel. Israel is uh, key to everything that Jesus is doing as God is going through the ages and as he is bringing things around, He is he's communicating through Israel. And God's signs are going to show up and in many ways reveal what he's doing through his people, through the people of Israel, through the land of Israel. And that will impact the rest of the nations. When God gave a promise to Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis, he said, I'm I'm going to bless you, but that blessing is going to impact everybody. You're going to have a family. They're going to be like the stars in the sky and the sand of the sea. But all around you will be blessings for the people of the world. So when we watch the news and we watch the unfolding of one nation or political entity, kings rise, uh, kings fall, nations rise, and nations fall, those are all part of what God is doing as he is moving this world closer and closer to its culmination. 
He is bringing everything together. And when you look at history, so those of you who think, yeah, history is so boring, I don't know, I just don't get it. Guess what one of the huge signs God has given us is? Feel bad yet? History. If you don't know it, then you don't see it, and you don't get to see it unfolding as God is revealing himself in that. You get tired of watching the news and what this nation is doing and what those guys are deciding, and guess where God's revealing himself? Guess where the truths are showing up? Now, that's not in the political infighting, and I feel this way, and my opinion's that way, and I get to be on Facebook. No, but it's in the big picture, and God is moving here and there and moving it back and forth. He is at work, and he has been. And Jesus says, watch the fig tree. Watch the fig tree. So let's look at Israel's history, and this is one of the things that we've got to remember how this works and how God has worked with those people. And this has to do with their rebellion and returns, Israel's rebellion and returns. They have... Come out of Egypt, so we go back to Moses. They've come out of Egypt and they settled in the land flowing with milk and honey. And they were there enjoying that. But then they rebelled. As a result of the rebellion, God sent them into captivity uh, and the land was destroyed. The city of Jerusalem's destroyed, the temple's destroyed. And we have one of those in 722 B.C. with the Assyrians, another with the Babylonians in 586 B.C. Then they return to the land. Those people who returned are now part of what we typically call them Jews at that point because of the tribe of Judah, mainly in the south. And they return to the land, build the city of Jerusalem back up and the temple. So we have a second temple. And then we have another series. So they're back in the land. They're building it up. There's another attack. Uh, They're conquered through different kingdoms. And they're under Rome at the time of Jesus. And and Jesus gives them some heads up in Matthew 24 about what's coming in in a shorter time frame. But Rome is trying to... They give some freedom to the Jewish people and they've allowed them... Uh, to run things, run their affairs the way they want to. So their temple is that they can do their religion, though that's not what Rome is supporting. They are allowing them the freedom to do that. So they, they have the temple, they have Jerusalem, they have their religious festivals. Everything's moving along. And then some people decided to rebel against Rome and throw them out of the country. That didn't go well. You're dealing with the biggest empire in the world at the time. Rome came in and crushed them, destroyed the city of Jerusalem, tore the temple down, and on the top of Masada, the last of the holdouts uh, killed themselves, the last of the warriors in 72. So 70 B.C., basically Israel's done, 72 Masada falls, and it is done. So from that time forward till recent times, that fig tree has not been blossoming until recent times. So in 1948, May 14th, 1948, the nation of Israel begins again in one day. 
the prophecy was, what nation can start in a day? Well, Israel did. One day, 1948. But how do we get there? Because we have this period of, they, they get into the land, and then they rebel, and then they're, they're, they're sent out again, and then they return, and this cycle has happened over and over again. And so we've had a huge length of time since the Romans came and crushed it. And they sent them away. They could not live in the land. They were not allowed. And they, Rome called it Palestine. So now the land of Palestine is under foreign control and continued to be for all that time. Let's see. From exile to return. And this is from Deuteronomy chapter 30. This is Deuteronomy is the second law. It's, it's the summary statements of Moses. It's his swan song. He's giving his final address to the people of Israel before he goes up the mountain and dies and, and goes enters into the Lord's presence. So, Deuteronomy 30, verse 3. He will have mercy on you and gather you back from all the nations where he has scattered you. He will have mercy on you and gather you back from all the nations where he has scattered you. This is Moses. Moses didn't even go into the land. He didn't cross the Jordan. So he's talking to the people and Joshua is going to lead them from that point on. So they haven't gotten to the land yet. And then Moses is telling them, you're going to rebel and God's going to scatter you. You're going to go into captivity. Huh. Now he's saying he's going to bring them back. So Moses is giving them this information before this is, they've even entered the land. They haven't set foot on it yet. And he's telling them, you're going you're gonna to rebel. You are going to be uh, punished. God will correct you and he will bring you back. So the rebellion, they settle. Then there's a rebellion. They're sent out. He brings them. There's a return. And we have that cycle. But God knew it would happen. He's not surprised. And he gives them that word, in Deuteronomy chapter 30. So this is, that's how ahead he was. We talked about the Bible last week being a sign of God. Prophecy is one of those aspects. When God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's just going to be fulfilled. He gives that word in chapter 30 of Deuteronomy. And they rebel. And they lose it. And now they're going to be, they're going to be brought back. In the earlier captivities, the Assyrians haul the people off. Some go up to what we know as Turkey, but most are there in, to the east of Israel, uh, northern Iraq, and up that direction. So that would be the Assyrians as they came in and moved them out. The later one, 586, is Babylonia. So all, this, all these Iraqi stories in Baghdad and all that, so it's down that way. So Babylon's just over there. So they were scattered in that land, and some wound up in Egypt and some other local areas. After Rome scattered them, they didn't pick one spot. Those people were scattered around the world. So what does Deuteronomy 30 say? From all those lands. It's bringing them back from everywhere. That's happened. There are huge... Groups of people coming back into the land, Jewish people from all over. You hear about it 
from they're coming back from Russia, they're coming back from other lands, from the U.S., from other places, and they have returned to the land. That's happened. It's in happening. So we're going to take another look at Deuteronomy. This is Moses talking to the people of Israel again. Uh, this is uh, Deuteronomy 29, 22-23. The foreigner who comes from a distant land, when they see the plagues of the land and the diseases with which the Lord has afflicted it, will say, all its land is brimstone and salt, a burning waste, unsown and unproductive, and no grass grows in it like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah. So a foreigner is going to come. And see this thing. So God has kept the land. And he's talking about the land here. So it's the land of Israel, which is called uh, Palestine. But we, we're going to hit this from, well, we had the Romans, Byzantines, uh, Muslims had control, and Ottoman Turks and, uh, began to take over. So we've got some... Changes in who's uh, gov- the governing body of Palestine. But, well, what's this clock as we begin to track this? In 1867, there's a visitor comes to Palestine. He's on a trip. And he writes this. The valleys are unsightly deserts, fringed with a feeble vegetation, a desert paved with loose stones, void of vegetation, glaring in the fierce sun, this blistering, naked, treeless land. There's a visitor who came and wrote and used many of the same phrases, though he is a skeptic. He's just writing about his observations. It's Mark Twain in his Best-selling book, Innocence Abroad, which is a travel journal, that book, not Huckleberry Finn, not not Tom Sawyer, Innocence Abroad was his best-selling book. And when he got to Palestine and he wandered around and his observations, he says, no grass grows here. He's saying what Isaiah is saying. So the foreigner has come. The foreigner has published his best-selling book. And it goes out all over and uh, suddenly some things begin to happen there's a uh, practice that the uh, people of Israel have have done this for centuries for millennia I guess is having an appointed scripture on the Sabbath day so Friday night to Saturday night is their Sabbath Shabbat so they are having a reading, and there's a scripture, an appointed word for that time. So there, these passages are read all around the world, all the synagogues, all the people. That's what they read because this, this is the word. So the appointed scripture for September 28th, 1867, which is the day that Mark Twain is, or Samuel Clemens is walking around the city of Jerusalem at the end of his trip. He's going to leave the next day, but he's there on the Sabbath. And as he's just walking through, here are the words of the appointed scripture 
for that day. The stranger that shall come from a far land shall say, when they see the plagues of that land and the sicknesses which the Lord has laid in it, the whole land is brimstone, salt, and burning. It is not sown, nor does it bear, nor does any grass grow there. He didn't know. But it was being said, being read, being repeated over and over all around the world that on that day, the stranger was there in that place. It goes on. Uh, there's a prayer that's repeated over and over again. And it's a, it's a common, again, Jewish prayer, part of the, part of the practice. But this is about uh, remembering what God has done, asking God to get them back to Jerusalem, to that return. They're, they're looking forward to that, uh, once again, being brought back from all the nations and be brought back to their land that God has appointed for them. And they are asking God to make that happen, to make that possible. So they pray certain prayers that go with that. And here's one. And they begin with, uh, hear our prayer, O God. And then, have mercy, Lord our God, on Jerusalem, your city, and on Zion, the resting place of your glory. Rebuild Jerusalem, the city of holiness, speedily in our days. Bring us up into it and gladden us in its rebuilding and let us eat from its fruit and be satisfied with its goodness and bless you upon it in holiness and purity. Repeated prayer over and over, practiced around the world once again. So let's look at Mark Twain. And, and that's his pen name, but not his real name. His real name is Samuel, which means God has heard. His last name, Clemens, means merciful. Huh. God, hear our prayer. Have mercy. 1867. God's plan. Zechariah 1, verse 16. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I have returned to show mercy to Jerusalem. My temple will be rebuilt, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and measurements will be taken for the reconstruction of Jerusalem. I have returned to show mercy to Jerusalem, and the temple will be rebuilt, and measurements will be taken for the reconstruction. So here's from Zechariah, a prophet, Old Testament prophet, talking about something God is going to bring about. So taking measurements, Charles Warren, a British military officer, is sent to Palestine, even though it's still under the Ottoman Turks, he is sent by the British uh, Archaeological Society to go and take measurements, conduct, and this is in 1867, to conduct archaeological studies in Palestine, but primarily in Jerusalem. So he takes his team and he goes to Israel, to Palestine, goes to Jerusalem, and he is making his way around as he begins to dig and he gets to uh, going down through some layers. 
And he discovered in the process of doing that, he was sinking some shafts, he found the ancient Jerusalem underneath. All this time up to this point, it had been assumed that Jerusalem was in a, the old city of Jerusalem was in another location on the mountain. When he sunk these shafts and found the actual uh, pave, pavement from the roads and the buildings down below, and they were not in that location, he found the actual Temple Mount. He found the water system. Uh, the shaft there is called the Warren Shaft. I guess, that, and this is the beginning of archaeological studies in that region. So he has started the whole process. He is going around measuring Jerusalem, the real, the Jerusalem that Zechariah is talking about, and he is laying out the measurements. And they're beginning to discover what was really there and what was really uh, like the the water shaft that the David's men used to come in and help capture the city. He's finding all those those things. 1867, same time as Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens is in town, and it turns out they were staying in the same hotel. Didn't know anybody or didn't know each other as far as we know. Probably passed each other over and over again. One of them is there writing the prophecy in fulfillment of one part. Another is measuring the city in fulfillment of another. You see any connection yet? And God is at work pulling things together to begin something new and to begin to do something that hasn't happened since the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 A.D. It's just been a desert. There's a return. The return. 70 A.D., Rome took Israel. Palestine was under the rule of the Ottoman Empire from 1516. 1897, the First World Zionist Congress. Theodore Herzl is the founder of the modern-day Israel. People give him credit for all that, that happened because he gathered people together with the idea of we need a homeland for the Jewish people. We need a homeland back in Israel or Palestine. We need a spot, a place for us to be Zion. And Mount Zion is where this whole idea came from. But the idea is to go back to the land. So in 1897, the World Zionist Congress, Theodore Herzl, and we have a... uh, What am I looking at? Oh, that's, I could only see the blue circles in the reflection back there. <laughs> I thought, what? Yeah, that's just showing that pattern. You see that? It just goes out, comes back, goes out, comes back. So God is at work bringing about a return. He's, he's interested in bringing the people back, accomplishing what he said he would do, and making that happen. So Theodore Herzl is working on the people and desiring to get back to the land. That's not happened. Nobody is even interested in this. The Ottomans have no 
interest whatsoever. They're Muslim. They're not interested in having a Jewish home state. They're, they're not interested in allowing them back. They haven't been allowed by all these empires, except in small number, but not the idea of you can come and live here in groups or live here in this land as your own Israel. That wasn't happening. So, And nobody's talking about it until 1897 when Theodore Herzl gets the group together and he gets these people from all over and they have their first Congress saying we're going to gather the people and have a home, a Jewish state, back in Palestine. So things are happening. It's beginning to pull together. Jubilee. This is just the history of Jubilee. So from Leviticus chapter 25, verses 9 through 10, we have this concept of Jubilee. Then on the Day of Atonement, in the 50th year, blow the ram's horn loud and long throughout the land. Set this year apart as holy, a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a jubilee year for you when each of you may return. <laughs> there's the key. When each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors and return to your own clan. The idea is to be restored, to be brought back to the people, to be brought back to the land, to be back to where you were. You don't lose it forever. And it cycles back. And that lesson is being taught even in the this jubilee, the 50-year jubilee. So we have, as we're looking at this, a, a shift uh, in the land through all of these different people. And God is saying, the time has come. Let's bring this back around. Let's see what we can do. The year of jubilee, a 50-year anniversary. And let's see what happens. So... If we go from 1867 to 1917, 50 years, there was this. A foreign minister for England, the UK, has now had, has begun to take responsibility for the land of Palestine. World War I has been fought. As a result of that, the Ottomans have fallen. They were part of, they were on the German side. They were part of the Axis. The Germans lost. The Turks lost. Ottomans are now no longer in power. And Great Britain has taken over Palestine. Look at this. 1917. Dear Lord Rothschild, I have much pleasure in conveying to you, on behalf of His Majesty's government, the following declaration of sympathy with Jewish Zionist aspirations, which has been submitted to and approved by the cabinet. His Majesty's government view with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. Greatest power on the planet has just said, y'all go home. Fifty years after 1867, in a jubilee year, it came about. Watch the fig tree. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, 
you can know his return is very near, right at the door. His signs are all around us. He's moving in and through nations, through leaders, through movements of people. And God is accomplishing his purposes. He's written it in his word before it even comes about. He's given us his sign that he is here, that he is at work. And he's all around us, revealing himself in everyday life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing, what you have done, how you are proving yourself over and over again. Thank you for being with us in this day and allowing us to see these things as they're coming to fruition. Thank you for the budding fig tree. Open our eyes, Lord, that we can see even more of you and all your signs. In Jesus' name, amen.